0: I'm Emily Hawthorne, a Middle East and North Africa analyst at Stratfor, and this podcast is brought to you by Stratfor Worldview, our premier digital publication for objective geopolitical intelligence and analyses. Individual, team, and enterprise memberships are available at worldview.stratfor.com slash subscribe. Need to get left of the boom. We need to avoid the attack because once the shots start being fired, you can't put those bullets back in the gun. It's it's too late.
1: Hi, I'm Fred Burton here today with Scott Stewart to discuss his security weekly lessons from a workplace shooting in Virginia Beach. Scott, thanks for being on the strat Talks podcast.
0: Oh, absolutely, Fred. This is an important topic, and it's uh, just great to have an opportunity to get this out to a wider audience.
1: I know a lot of people talk about uh, active shooter response, but the focus of this podcast is what can companies or organizations do – proactively to deal with this issue? And what's your thoughts along those lines?
0: Yeah, absolutely. What, what we're seeing, and, and, uh, and, you know, as you and I talked even before we started recording this, as we go around the country, we see there are a lot of companies and, and uh, churches and, and uh, religious organizations and NGOs that are doing training for active shooters. So they're doing the avoid, deny, defend, or, or run, hide, fight. Or response too. right? Yeah, exactly. So they're doing that training. You know, some of them are doing stop the bleed. Not enough, uh, right, I, I think stop the bleed. Is something that really needs to be pushed even heavier, but it, it's a good program. Very and then, good. Then we're seeing, you know, in some places, uh, you know, there are, are programs to have, you know, specially trained employees with arms, or they're having outside police come in as as a response unit, um, and then of course the police themselves are, are doing things like the active shooter protocol, where they get that team and go right in as soon
1: as they can to try to confront, uh, you know, the shooter because they know that the time is, is bodies. And most of these attacks are over in seconds. I think that's what a lot of people just don't understand.
0: Yeah, the, the one in Virginia Beach was a little bit uh, odd because the gunmen engaged the police for like a half hour. So that was kind of, uh, you know, out of the ordinary. Usually they resolve quicker than that.
1: And there was a long time before EMS or EMTs got on the scene, which emphasizes, I know, what we have taught our employees about stop the bleed.
0: Yeah, you know, when the shooting goes on like that, that, that keeps the zone hotter longer. Right. And so that meant that there were more people laying there waiting for medical uh, help. And that's really where that stop the bleed is so critical.
1: What do you think are the most important tools that could be used in a proactive fashion that uh, could establish some protocols or help people understand this?
0: Yeah, well, first I just want to say those other things we talked about are great and we don't want people to stop doing this. You know, keep doing the active shooter training. Keep doing the stop the bleed training. You know, have the cops come in and do a walkthrough or maybe even an exercise at, at your business uh, so that they know the layout. They're familiar with it. That's all great stuff. Um, you know, you can even have, uh, you know, armed people to respond. That, that's great. But that's, that is the, all the reactive stuff. And we really need to get left of the boom. We need to avoid the attack. Because, you know, as we were talking earlier, what happens, once the shots start being fired, you can't put those bullets back in the gun. It's it's too late. And that's why we need to be proactive to get left of the boom to stop the incident and really detect it during the planning stages.
1: Well, help me understand that. Let's drill down in that. Let's talk about insiders first. How do you address that?
0: You know, as we think about all these attackers, whether it's an external threat or an internal threat, are going to be going through an attack cycle. And those attack cycles are going to look different, uh, because obviously the insider has access to the facility and intimate access. And a badge. Yeah, usually they can get through access controls as well. But then, you know, they know everybody's habits and routines. They know who parks where, what time, uh, you know, John gets into the office, uh, who gets coffee when, or, you know, they just know the routines. So that gives them a huge advantage in these kinds of attacks. So they don't have to do as much surveillance as an external threat.
1: They have that superior area knowledge, something we learned a long time ago as agents. Absolutely. But at the same
0: time, uh, because they're an insider, your workforce uh and whether that's you know the hr level the supervisors or just their peers are going to have far more exposure to them than they are an external uh threat and that's going to provide them opportunities to to really see the kind of indicators and warnings coming down the pipe and and be able to pick those up and report those uh so that that really you know the, the problem can be detected and then hopefully the attack averted uh instead of responded to
1: so those coworkers are going to be able to see that uh, hostile behavior in the workplace potentially threats whether they be an email or around the coffee pot or via chat correct
0: yeah that or I mean they understand when somebody's having uh, a problem you know in, in many cases, as we know too, you have things like uh, nasty divorces or custody suits. You may have right. uh, employees in your workforce that have restraining orders against a, an abusive ex partner or something, and you need to have all of that information coming into the appropriate place so that it can be investigated uh, so that there can be assessments done and that uh, you know the risk of an attack can, can be kind of measured and, and, and looked
1: at. Scott, for those employees that are going through problems, whether they be marital problems or dragging a threat into the Mm -hmm. workplace like we have seen a lot of times – what is it that you would recommend that employers do for the that employee that's affected? Yeah,
0: well, I mean, when you see somebody struggling, obviously there, there's a lot that, that companies can do just as far as, you know, co-workers supporting them, managers supporting them, understanding what they're going through. And, and sometimes they can cut them slack and that can bring some of the pressure off of them. But also, you know, most companies will have a, an EAP type plan. Uh, EAP? Uh, the, the Employee Assistance Program. They can get them some mental health prob- uh, help. And, and hopefully, um, you know, Uh, Just help them cope, provide them ways of coping through the situation without having to resort to violence.
2: We'll get back in just one moment. Stratfor Enterprise provides critical information to businesses and professionals who need to know how emerging world events will affect them, their employees, and also their businesses. Our analyst team provides invaluable insights into the short- and long-term implications of what's happening right now, and that's so that you can develop a more accurate view of the future. If you're not already a Stratfor member, you can learn more about individual, team, and enterprise-level subscriptions at stratfor.com slash subscribe.
1: Let's talk a little bit about uh, the external threat uh, from a pre-operational surveillance perspective in the attack cycle. What are some of those kinds of uh, tactics or observations as to how you could leverage your workforce to help here?
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, one of the things that we see uh, and over and over again is that, you know, the bad guys are really terrible at surveillance. And they can be picked up as they're conducting it because, you know, surveillance is an unnatural act. It's hard to do unless you've had some training without looking strange. You do have a tendency to lurk, to look out of place, um, to stare, or to, to kind of the opposite, try to hide behind things. So, mm-hmm. so there's a lot of demeanor uh, mistakes that make there. But I, I think a lot of it is just telling people that, you know, if something doesn't feel right. Uh, if somebody kind of creeps you out, th- that's one of these things you, you've got to report. You know, could this person be perhaps surveilling our, our, our facility you know, for some, some kind of attack?
1: I know there's a tremendous amount of uh, employers today, unlike in the U.S. government to some degree, that once that initial background check is done uh, to determine whether or not someone has a violent past, uh, it's never done again.
0: Yeah, there, there really isn't that vetting. And then, of course, you know, unfortunately, in a lot of companies, uh, they think that if they do the active shooter training, if they do the stop the bleed training or whatever, that's it. They're covered. And so that's the message wh- that I'm really trying to get out through this, this is that you need to do more. You really need to be preventative.
1: What would be the top three things that you would recommend for companies or organizations or churches to think about to have that could – Try to get in front of this threat. What would be the three big takeaways in your mind?
0: Well, I, I think number one is is understanding that education is critical. So you really need to have your workforce, uh, your congregation, if you're talking a house of worship or, or you know an NGO, you, you need to have your people trained. So number one, they they need to understand what the warning signs are and whether that comes from an internal threat or the external threat. Um, and then they there needs to be a clearly established. Way and means of communicating that they need to know who to communicate that to, what they need to take down. Okay, so what information do you need? Where does that information go? That would be number two, absolutely. And then you also need to have though a reverse communication, uh, so that the, the the management needs to be able, and HR needs to be able to communicate to the workforce, hey, you know, John is no longer employed here. Uh, he was, uh, you know, there could be a potential issue there. He was angry when he was fired or something. You know, there needs to be two way communication there between, you know, the, the management, security, HR, and, and the workforce in addition to that. And so, uh, you know, we, we forget often, you know, as, as security guys that, you know, uh, and with a security background, really the resources of the security department are, are quite limited. We only have so many officers, cameras, et cetera. But, but by, educating and equipping and empowering the workforce, you really can use them as a force multiplier because they're seeing things and picking up on things that that the trained security people just aren't, Uh, just whether it's, it's, uh, you know, just exposure to something externally or to their coworkers.
1: What would you say to that individual out there that uh, perhaps has knowledge of someone in the workplace that they just think has problems or could potentially be a threat, what, what would be your advice? Well,
0: obviously, you know, it, it, it sounds uh, trite to see something, say something, but, but it is so true. And we've seen a lot of cases where that has actually stopped these events uh, before they can happen. And the other thing to remember is, uh, quite frankly, in many cases, especially if the person is, is having, you know, some mental illness or some other problems, you're also doing them a favor, because most of these incidents end up with the gunman dead as well.
1: And do you think that uh, there's a reluctance in today's uh, workplace for employees to come forward, just fearful of being uh, uh, looked at as that kind of employee that's just creating problems?
0: There may be some of that, but I I think that that's also something that education and good education can really combat. Uh, And if you have a good system in place that the employees uh, understand, number one, and trust, number two, I think they would be more willing uh, to report than if there's just kind of some – uh, amorphous thing that they don't understand. You know, if, if, if there's kind of a clear policy, a clear system, and if it's made clear to them that these things are going to be assessed and investigated without necessarily, you know, ruining somebody's life without cause. I mean, obviously, if, if there is a threat, you have to deal with it. But still, I think that if they understand that there's discretion and professionalism there, they're going to be far more willing to report something than if they just don't understand what's in place.
1: Especially if there's a system in place, too, for an individual to come forward perhaps and disclose data in a confidential manner and know that they're not going to be outed in the workplace or outed across the company that Fred said this about Scott.
0: Absolutely. That discretion, the confidentiality, the professionalism, it all really ties together. Another thing that I want to put in, uh, you know, we talk about things that the companies can do. Hire good people to be able to help you, or consultants, uh, that that can help you, uh, you know, with these problems. But there are some really powerful tools out there. Uh, you know. For example, what? Like, like the Waiver 21. Uh which is it's, it's a, a workplace assessment of, of violent risk. Basically kind of a program that you can follow through. It kind of prompts you and, and asks you questions and then you answer those questions and it helps you reach uh you know an assessment of whether or not a person is a potential workplace violence risk.
1: Is that an off the shelf software solution? Yes. Yes, it is. And it's called Uh, Waiver 21?
0: Yes. I mean, there are several out there that are good. Um, and, and there are actually, you know, also some very good organizations out there, such as the Association of Threat Assessment Professionals, ATAP. Right. Um, you know, they can provide training, uh, and also just, they're just a great resource, um, you know, as far as a community, um, to be able to kind of reach out to some of these people and ask for, uh, their help if you have a problem within your company.
1: I know in just discussions in our line of work, Scott, and all the different companies we talk to, it, it seems to me that uh, there's a lot of angst in the workplace today. And I know that this somewhat feeds itself every time we get a Virginia Beach shooter or a Las Vegas shooter or whatever. But I, I get a sense that employees are nervous and scared. I, I think they are. But there again,
0: you know, some companies are reluctant to – do training because they, uh, they think it's going to, to scare their employees even more. But I found that really the opposite is, is the, the truth. If you have a good system in place, if you're giving good education, and if they see you're professional and proficient and that something's being done, it actually puts them at ease rather than makes them more scared.
1: That was very good information, Scott. I would encourage everyone to take a look at Scott's Security Weekly, Lessons from a Workplace Shooting in Virginia Beach. And for more information, I'd encourage you to take a look at worldview.strap4.com. Thanks for being with us today, Scott. Uh, absolutely, it's uh, you know you know you and
0: I are both sheepdogs, and it really is our passion to help keep people safe. And so, anything that we can do to share this kind of information to help protect people is is really worth our time.
1: Very well said, my friend.
2: If you're interested in learning how Stratfor can help you with analytic tools to visualize and anticipate those areas in the world where your interests and operations are at greatest risk, be sure to visit stratfor.com slash enterprise. And to ask us a question about this podcast in particular, or even propose an idea for the next one, please drop us an email at podcast at stratfor.com. And if you have a moment, we'd love it if you left a review on the podcast page on iTunes or wherever you listen. Your feedback is really valuable to us. And for more geopolitical intelligence, links, and fun facts about what goes into forecasting world events, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Stratfor. Thanks for listening.